This is the Feminine Podcast, the official podcast of Feminine, discussing all things femme, a little bit of EM, and everything in between. I'm Jenny Beck Esme, Editor-in-Chief of Feminine. Next up on our Fix 19 content, we have a talk from Dr. Aline Gregosian called My Change of Heart. She's currently an emergency medicine resident, and she's interested in medical education and critical care. She's got a tremendous story about her own personal experience as a patient and how it's kind of changed the entire trajectory of her career. I'm not going to waste any time spoiling any of her story. I just want you to get right to it. So with no further ado, here's Dr. Gagosian. What do you say to your patient before you drape them for a central line? I'm going to put a big IV into your neck. It might be a little bit uncomfortable, but we'll put a little bit of lidocaine in it and numb you up real well. You won't feel a thing. Have any of you actually been central lined? Have any of you ever been intubated, shocked? I really hope not. I mean, we all go to medical school for a reason, right? We go there to, take, to learn how to take care of our patients, and with our very healthy lifestyles and our eight hours of sleep every night, we hope that we don't become patients ourselves, especially really critically ill patients. But I'm a patient, and I was once, just a few months ago, a very critically ill patient. I like to tell people that I went to patient school on top of medical school. I learned a lot in patient school, and I don't think everybody needs to go to patient school. I would never want that. But I learned a lot about medicine in patient school, too. It was a different side of medicine. And if you don't know my story, I'll start right here. It all started last year. Um, I was thriving as a third-year emergency medicine resident. I had just gotten into fellowship right here in New York City at Mount Sinai in critical care medicine. That was me on the interview trail, and the other picture is me as a senior resident in one of our emergency departments. That was last October. After, I want to say, starting in November, I started having a cough, and um, I thought it was nothing. I mean, my life was going really well. I was thriving. I was otherwise healthy, and I had no other complaints. I was probably at the peak of my life at that point. Um, that cough, though, started getting worse. And it started getting short of breath with it, too. In fact, I remember doing a 24-hour shift in the ICU when my own ICU attending noticed that I was stopping in between sentences just to catch my own breath. Just a couple of days after that incident, I found myself in the emergency department, not as a resident, but as a patient. And uh, we got a chest x-ray, and you know, nobody really knew what was going on. I was 30 years old, I had no other medical problems, and so I got admitted for this you know, unspecified shortness of breath, possibly a pneumonia, and that was that. Without knowing it, I was holding on to the last few beats of my life. Without knowing it, I had an injection fraction of 5% at the time. So I got admitted, and I was on the floors, when within an hour or two it happened. I crashed. I completely don't remember anything, but I remember getting really nauseous, and I remember ringing in my ears, and I remember getting really sweaty, and I remember people in my room, and that's it. I remember waking up a couple of days later with a tube in my mouth, and I was told that I needed a heart transplant. 
I had gone into cardiogenic shock, secondary to acutely decompensated heart failure, chronic, dilated cardiomyopathy, familial, something that I just never known about. With the second hit of myocarditis, you know, I had no idea about any of these things. And so within days, I was transferred to another hospital, and I was enlisted to get a heart transplant. Within days, I got that heart transplant, and that was that. And here I am, alive. That's actually me and the resident. That's actually me and the resident who first found me pulseless during my rapid response at Hahnemann. That's us working together six months later in July, just a couple of months ago. So that's medicine. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I learned a lot in those, you know, few weeks as a very critically ill patient. And, um, there is this quote on the internet, and I don't know who said it. They quote many people for it. It says, the highest form of knowledge is empathy. And I don't, you know, at that time, when I had heard it before, I didn't really know what it meant until I went through what I went through. Um, and only now do I understand what it means, because it's important for everybody here to be honest with their patients. Because it's not just a little bit uncomfortable when somebody's getting a central line. Actually, the most uncomfortable part, let me tell you, is the part when you're getting a wire through the catheter and sometimes you feel a jolt right on your heart. That's really uncomfortable. The second most uncomfortable part is when the dilation, the pressure of the dilation right on your neck, that's also really uncomfortable. And the third most uncomfortable part, which most people wouldn't realize, is hearing the blood drip right down, right as the needle's in, and you know that the resident's trying really hard to keep everything clean, but they can't, and you just keep hearing the blood drip, and eventually it's pooling, and you can't do anything about it because it's right by your ear. And you gotta keep that in mind because it's not just a little bit uncomfortable, it's actually extremely uncomfortable for your patient. And you know, lidocaine might numb up the physical pain, and and the physical area for a few minutes, and that's great, but lidocaine can't do anything to the emotions that your patient's going through. Lidocaine can't numb up the feelings that your patient's going through, the anger that your patient's going through while they're thinking, why is this happening to me? They can't numb up any of those feelings or those thoughts. It can't numb up, does he know what he's doing, or the thought of, I hope they hit the vein and not the artery. I guess the hardest thought to numb up in those moments is, am I gonna die tonight? Because we all know that central lines are for the sickest of our patients, and sometimes your patient knows that too. So my talk, though, isn't about central lines for the sake of central lines. My talk is about the aspect of medicine that gets left out of medicine so often the human side, the empathetic side. And, you know, I can go on for hours about my story and I can just tell you guys how important it is to be empathetic with your patient. I know that with everything that happened to me, my own clinical practice is gonna change, right? I know that I find it personally humbling that 
I personally will be able to feel with my patients. Not every physician gets to do that. And I find that to be an honor. Um, I hope that in five or 10 years, I'll have blossomed into some sort of caring and compassionate attending physician with you know, a, a caring and love for humanity. Um, and I hope that my new heart always would want that for the future as well. But I can go on for hours and tell you guys how important that is, but you know, we're all scientists here, and so I have to bring up the scientific studies as well. In 2007, Dr. Newman in Germany did a study with over 700 oncology patients that showed that with clinical empathy, um, it was associated, positively associated with improved patient outcomes that was self-reported with the major depression inventory score and two other questionnaires. They defined clinical empathy as the ability for the physician or the clinician to be able to understand what the patient is going through and uh, be able to communicate that back with the patient. They came up with this, which I adapted into my own kind of summary that showed that with clinical empathy, um, with, with increased levels of clinical empathy, the patient feels more empowered to talk about their symptoms and their signs and their histories, which leads to a physician getting better histories and, and physicals, which eventually leads to better diagnoses, better management, and ultimately better short-term and long-term outcomes for our patients, which is what matters. Um, in 2012, Dr. Johnny and their colleagues did a study that was basically an overview of everything, um, all the study that was already out there on literature on empathy. And with them, they basically came up with the notion that we already know empathy is important for the physician-patient relationship. But empathy is multidimensional, and it's dependent on many, many factors many factors relating to the clinician. Things like their relationship with the patient, workload, their environment, stress, and physician burnout. In fact, one of the studies that they cited showed that increased level of burnout amongst physicians was associated with lower levels of empathy. And so, with my talk, I hope that I can show you guys a couple of things. Number one, I want to make sure that you guys are empathetic with your patients, not just based on what happened to me, um, but with the scientific studies that I talked to you about as well. But also, I know that some of us are burned out, and some of us just need to be told that it's important what we do is important. Um, and so if you're one of those people, I want to remind you that if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here today. And that what you do matters. And if that's going to help you with your patient tomorrow, remember that, please. Thank you.